The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Welcome back to the Fly Over State Sports Show. Everybody is back for the attack of these college basketball games. I am your host, Sam Long, and I am joined by a silhouette that used to be Gavin Alexander and Caleb the Bean Jewel. <laughs> Thank you guys. Hey, turd. We're back. Thank you guys for letting me take the week off last week. I greatly appreciate it. I know I know, I don't have the time to give or anything like that. I don't have the time to burn, but I, I'll make up for it, I promise. Get, just get back into the lab, my video editing monkey. <laughs> it's good to have you back, Beans. It's good I'm excited to be back. back. I'm, excited, I'm excited to rattle your guys' brains today. Well, I, I have... We have a very exciting announcement for everyone coming up in the show. But first, we want to remind you to like, share, and subscribe to this video. You know, we're finally shilling out and putting that into the ether early into the video, not at the end where no one listens. But an exciting announcement for you guys. We've had an erratic upload schedule for the last month to as long as this podcast has existed. Every but week. Because yours truly is finally stepping up to the plate and molding young minds and peewee soccer. His only free day to record is really Wednesday, which is the oh same my God. Being. So, yes, Wednesdays will record, Thursdays and Fridays will upload from now into the foreseeable future. God, that is so scary. Be, you being, Do you have a whistle? Not yet. I have oh, How are you officially a coach? Oh, okay. Huh? Okay, so you're getting one. Gavin, you're shaking your head. I... I don't see what the big deal is here. I'm a symbol for America's youth seven days a week. So, <laughs> and it's not a nice schedule. <laughs> well, the problem is, is my coworker wants to have practices at six o'clock, and we normally record at six o'clock. Hey, six o'clock. Uh, can I place a betting line on these games? Is there any? Is there any bets taking place? There is no gambling. But the contingent of friends looking at you, uh, Aaron, Tessa, Quinn, Trey, Kyle, they said that if we make the championship game, which is on Thursday, which they didn't know when they agreed to this, but they agreed to it, they are tailgating let's our go. championship oh, game. Oh, let's go. So oh. you guys are formally invited to not only tailgate, but to live stream the game I would- the content. That would be so fun. Why would you do it on a Thursday? If it's a championship game, put that I on a Saturday. Know. Put that well, on a Saturday. The, the play-in games, so there's six teams, and the play-in games are, like, you know, on Saturday. And then the second round is on Tuesday, and then the finals on Thursday. It's like, why didn't we just – it doesn't make any sense either because, like, we're playing I seven love- regular season games, but there's only six teams. So we're playing like two extra teams, like 
twice. I'd like to talk to your scheduler. I have an issue with this. Dude, I know. I saw it. And I, dude, I saw it, and I was like, dude, would hate this. <laughs> as, a, as a guy who makes schedules for a living. <laughs> it bothers the fuck out of me, too, bro. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, they probably guaranteed so many games. Dude, the other thing that – so, one thing. There are so many kids in the fifth grade that, like, have no idea how to, like, do anything with a soccer ball. It's incredible. Like, I look like I look like fucking Pele next to them out there. Like, I literally, like, literally we were doing a drill where they were supposed to, like, get, get up on you and, like, you know, press the pass. So I had them do that to me or whatever. And I was just, like, holding the ball away from them, like, with my back foot. And like not allowing them to get to it, like that little step over thing, Gavin. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And like, then I like reversed it back to my left foot and like passed it, and they were just like, <gasps> "We have, have one you, kid though. His name is Victor Chavez Jr. Pretty excited about him." Have yep. you have you watched Ted Lasso? Have you watched any film from Ted Lasso yet? No, I've not watched any Ted Lasso. What is okay. Ted Lasso even on? Uh, Apple. Oh, Apple TV? I don't have Apple TV. The Pac-12 might be on Apple TV soon, though. Well, okay, that's neither here nor there. But anyways, if you want to get your soccer, like, film in, like, watch Ted Lasso. Dog, the wild... Here's the wildest part about, like... So, she has no idea... So, the head coach... So, story time. The head coach is my co-worker, and she didn't sign her kid up, like, early enough or whatever. So, she had to coach to get her kid to be able to play. And so she doesn't know anything about soccer. I will say like, as someone who works in rec, there was definitely room for that kid. They just needed the coach very badly. And so yes, that was their, that, yes, as, as a guy, as a guy who works in rec, that is our number one go-to like, Oh, you're signing up late. Like you've got a coach. Like it's, it's true. <laughs> well, that's the thing is there's only six teams or whatever. And so like my thing that I'm thinking about is like, if she didn't coach, it'd only be five teams. Like that's, that's an odd number. That's a terrible number. Exactly. So like they they forced well, the coach. So try. can I give you like a little like recreational like yeah, like give me the, give me the lowdown. So usually when you're making teams, you want an even number. If you can't find a coach, you go to your wait list and say, "Hey, we can't. We need. We can take a player, but only if you can coach. If that doesn't work." What we do is we turn to the parents of the other teams and say, hey, if we don't get enough uh, coaches, we need one more coach. If we don't get enough coaches, we're going to have to disperse these kids onto your team, meaning there's less playing time for your kids. So if your kid wants more playing time, we need a coach. And usually you get three or four by that time. Just a little just a little insight that what what I do. Yes, Gavin. They're they're in fifth grade. They need a cattle pen and a dude to make sure they don't kill each other. Okay. But here's the other thing too, right? So like I get asked to like help because I'm the resident sports guy. Our boss, my engineering manager, like I get, first of all, he does live in Bartlesville, which is like the equivalent of Wamigo to Topeka. So I understand why like he might say like no to this, but he went to college for soccer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he knows what he's doing like we fucking played all throughout high school and like like he, he didn't play a lot in college like he he didn't make it through like his first year because he had ankle problems and so like he just like he went to the he went to Tulsa it wasn't like he went to 
no offense to Hutch and like other Jucos. It's not like he went to Juco to play soccer. He went to like Tulsa, like a legitimate Division One university. That's hilarious. And so I'm like, I don't know why you didn't ask him. But dude, no. Like I tried to coach these kids and like, oh god, it's gonna be awful. It's gonna be this is interesting. You need to send me I, videos. I can teach them all how to dribble the ball semi-effectively throughout the year and to keep a basic defensive shape and then get all of them to like improve their cardio by like plus three. That's a success. All I know is in those like in those leagues, if you have a good goalie, you win nine times out of ten. So actually, apparently, we do have a good goalie. Okay, so you're good. You're good. You're good. You're fine. As long as you have one good goalie and there is no limitations on how long that goalie can play, you will win six of your seven games. I I am here to say right now, and I know that the segment has gotten really long. Really long in the tooth. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone is screaming at us. But, Sam, move on. You're calling San Diego State. No one watched that game. You can check the ratings. No one gave a shit, so we don't give a shit. Um, but yes, it's going to be rough, and I'm going to run these kids into the ground, even though I'm only the assistant coach. You're going to be Division Three's football's finest. You're going <laughs> to. All right, you lollygag. <laughs> Dog, I literally okay. This is my last thing. This is a little nugget for anyone who played football or like attended Wabigo from the years of 2011 to 2015. I literally like we were having everyone come huddle back to explain the second drill after we gave them a water break. And one of the kids went out to his mom's car because she had like the water or whatever. And our coach was like, come on back. And I literally yelled at him on the hop. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, there's coach B. <laughs> yeah, you look very uninterested and ready to move on to college basketball. Well, ironically, I agreed with your previous statement as well on nobody watched the national championship game, which would include myself because it was what it was. So, by by the way, to kick us off into this, Sam, you picked a hell of a year to dive into uh, analytics of college basketball. Dude, okay, but the thing is, is every year that the analytics don't work, um, UConn wins. So, therefore, <laughs> it still worked. So, I had done a big analytical thing about, like, what you needed to win a title based on using Kempom's rankings, which is, like, the holy grail of, like, you know, advanced stats in basketball and all that crap. And the thing is, okay, I, I want to get this off the chest right i sent those numbers in but and this is a big but i'm pretty sure ken palm like continues to like rank teams during the tournament which completely like defeats the purpose of like what i'm trying to do and ken palm doesn't have like weekly rankings so i can't go back in his in time for his rankings to where like everyone was before the tournament. So UConn might have met those metrics by the end of the tournament. And I don't hmm. know. Interesting. So, so I'm gonna sit here right now and say my rankings are probably flawed. That analytics was probably very flawed. But it was a weird year, and every time it's a weird year, UConn ends up winning because that's just what UConn does. 
I I just felt uh I don't know that what this really I have no interest in this game, by the way. Just like genuinely zero because of the teams that played. But I do think that like it being a weird year, everybody always says this about the NCAA tournament every single year. Like, oh my gosh, don't you think there was more upsets this year? Blah blah blah. But like genuinely, it feels like we're like in a different spot than we have been over the past couple decades because of the transfer portal and um, and just because of the way college sports have kind of changed with the NIL deals and things like that. Um, that That's more interesting to me, big picture, than the actual game itself. The game itself sucked. I, I think we're in for a lot more tournaments that are similar to this one. I think this one is more of a turned up to 11 version, if that makes sense. Yeah, there, there. It was such a wacky regular season in terms of the teams that were like ranked really high, and so it's not surprising that the teams that got ranked really high fell short of expectations because they were wacky teams to begin with. But then we just were completely devi- devoid of like the because it's not because like if Duke's the five seed that's in the national championship and not San Diego State. People don't bat an eye because they're like, oh, Duke, Duke's really talented. So I, I, I think it's the lack of big teams. And I don't mind no big teams, if that makes sense. But, I, like, I, I'll, I don't I'll talk mind you, yeah. not being big teams, Beans. The problem is, is San Diego State is so goddamn boring. And, like, there's nothing interesting about them. And that's the same thing with UConn. UConn was just boring. Like, they won all their games by double digits. And they weren't like a well they were a well-oiled machine i guess but like i don't know any of their players really so that's kind of what i was going to mention you kind of hit the nail on the head there like i'm not saying this is the best team to go through the tournament in history but it might be up there like they might be one of the better teams they absolutely fucking knocked everybody in the back of the head every game and now people are going to come and argue that they played Iona, St. Mary's, who's in the West Coast Conference. Arkansas is an eight seed. Gonzaga's in the West Coast but Conference. Arkansas is a good team. Miami was a good team. They they played so I don't want to hear like oh they had an easy walk. They played good teams. They played really good teams. I'm not saying they didn't. No, I know. It's just what people are going to say. And so, well, I would I, say they didn't play the hardest road. No, they didn't have the hardest road. I I don't think you can like. The, the highest seed they played was a five, was a three seed, and then two five yeah. seeds. And they, they didn't run it. And the the three seed was Gonzaga, and Gonzaga's in the West Coast Conference. I understand that Gonzaga is Gonzaga and everything, but just like I did, like the fact that we had kind of a mix up. You know, we didn't have like a blue blood, and you know, both teams weren't blue bloods. We had a San Diego State, which I like. I like having a little mix. But up. They got to be interesting though, dude. They're yeah. so boring. Like, there's, dude, I don't even remember any of the players on that team. Like, when I, Butler makes the national championship game the first time, you remember Gordon Hayward because Gordon yeah. Hayward's really good. FAU would have been, FA, and I know it's like, it, it's different, but FAU would have been like a different, like, way better story. <laughs> well, FAU would have just been a better team to match up with you guys because, like, dude, you know who San Diego State reminded me of? This isn't like a shot in particular. At like Bruce, but like 
though the good Bruce Weber teams that were like super grindy and you just like mm-hmm. sitting there like, oh, where are we gonna get points from like this position? Yes. It's like, oh, we're gonna score sixty-five points and win by like two. Yes. That was that San Diego State team. Like they just grinded wins out and it's just they're just boring. They're not entertaining. Like that was the reason the championship game sucked. Because they're a grind at the a grindy ass team that struggles for offense, and they ran into a team that is really good on defense and doesn't struggle to like get offense, so they got blown out. <laughs> so I uh, this kind of poses the question now, and everybody's been asking it. I just wanted to kind of talk with it with you guys. Is UConn a blue blood now? Like yeah, they are they bad? Yeah, um, that's kind of the way. I mean, in the same way of like me making fun of Kentucky for like the name that Kentucky, there's a lot of college basketball blue bloods that have been super inconsistent and like unable to maintain consistency that like we see just down the road at KU. But like UConn, UConn over the last decade, like deserves that. Bro, UConn more has than five championships since the time we've been born turd since the long, as long as we've been alive. I, yeah. I don't understand, like, this whole th- – there's the whole argument, too, where it's like, oh, are they a blue blood? And it's like, bro, you – like, people only say they're not a blue blood because they didn't get any titles when, like, you know, in the 70s. Like, that's what it is, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I think I think the issue – You had to have been good, like, all the time is pretty much what it is. Like, KU's always been good, and, like, Kentucky's always been but, good. But, like, Duke hasn't always been good. Duke only got good, like, in the 80s and 90s. And and the people don't like them because of how like inconsistent play they like they had two bad seasons these past couple years and then had to come back and you know and they won the natty this year like it's very back and forth on there so that's why well, people are saying people are gonna give them no credit for the last two natties like let's well would know. you would you rather have won five natties back in the eight seventies and eighties or win five in the time that you've been like in yeah, the you're right asking, now you'd rather be, be our age and be a UConn fan or an Indiana fan I'd rather, be, uh, I'd rather be a UConn fan I'd rather be a UConn fan right now than a, 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 a team that's won back in the seventies like oh I'm sorry we had scrubs that, on the court that goes in regardless of the women's basketball too by the way like oh, you no, and what do you think of UConn you think you don't even think of the men's you when you think of UConn you don't even think of men's basketball you think of the women's basketball program I yeah, think you. I think the women's is more of a blue blood than the men's. I think they're both. Yeah, they're yeah. Both. Now they're both, and it's kind of had been personally. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, again, blue blood is basically just like it, it's code for traditional power. It's just and, like well. Think of all these blue blood schools. Football is not a priority to them. You can make an argument. You can make argument. You can make some argument, but you think of KU, who's a blue blood. Their football's not their priority. You can say, you know, uh, what's another blue blood? You, uh, North Carolina. North Carolina's a blue blood. Carolina, you know, Duke. when you think of North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky, what do you think of first? You think of basketball. You don't think of football. When I, I think, think of UConn. Even they're not blue. <laughs> and, and, and when I think of UConn, I don't think of UConn football. I think of UConn basketball. That, to me, passes the are you a blue blood test. I don't know who the blue blood. I don't know who the blue blood matrix people are. I don't know oh, who runs that department. Way. Don't forget UCLA. Yeah. So I I don't know who runs the blue blood department. I don't know who the higher ups are, who the committee is, or whatever. But I think I think they should be like you know this will probably be like a passing grade for UConn to say yes they are a blue blood. 
Dude, by the way, we gotta talk about and just briefly mention everyone like thinks that basketball is like a super like national sport because the Lakers won a ton of titles and like the Warriors won a ton of titles and like Boston's a lot of titles and like the Spurs have a lot of titles. Since like 2000, there's only been like three teams. I, if I have, if I have my, um, if I have my years right, because Arizona won in the nineties, I'm pretty sure. But since 2000, there's only been three teams to win the Natty, like West of the Mississippi. And it's oh. like KU twice in Baylor. Holy crap. That's it. And that's a lot of, I mean, there's quite a few As, schools. I'm pretty sure the order is, oh God, who won in 2001? I know Maryland won in 2000. I don't know who won in 2001. Yeah, yes, sir. I was going to say, what happened, like, what happened on the Oregon Trail then that prevented tall people from crossing the Mississippi? <laughs> Well, what happened was he got when he retired is really what happened. <laughs> no, like, if you think about because, like, it it goes like, oh, I remember 2000 is Michigan State. So it's like Michigan State, Duke, Maryland, Syracuse, UConn, North Carolina, Florida, Florida, KU is one, North Carolina, Duke. UConn, Kentucky, Villanova, no, uh, Louisville. Oh, and then fourteen is who is fourteen? God, I was about to say if you spurt all these out right now, like this is so fucking impressive. Fifteen is Duke. It's Duke, then Nova, North Carolina, Nova, uh, Virginia. No tournament. Baylor. And then Baylor. And then um, KU. KU. And then uh, UConn. UConn. Who the fuck was 2014? We have the... Give me a second. We have the the internet. We have the internet. Hang on. No, don't tell me. I'll get it. I'll tell you the color. It's blue. Um, shit. Okay, I'll tell you the matchup, and you you no, tell me. Don't tell me the matchup. I'll easily get it if you. Well, we're okay. okay. Give me, give me one second, Beans. Both okay. teams were blue. <laughs> no fucking shit. I don't feel like I'm missing a North Carolina team in there. No, you're no, not. The Duke team, not KU, not UCLA. What if I told you the winning coach? I would get it then too. Oh, it's UConn again. That's the yes. Shab- it was U. It, it was UConn versus Kentucky. Yeah, that's the Shabazz Napier in Dallas. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. Regardless, <clears throat> I named all of the winners, and pretty much all of them are either in North Carolina or the Northeast. I know how to fill my bracket out from now on. And then I real though, bro. If you want to like fill out a good bracket, just advance all the teams from North Carolina, the Northeast, and Kentucky, like as far as you can. Yeah. That was probably horrible listening for our viewers. (laughs) I will could be viewers. You could be watching us on YouTube. You could 
Maybe you saw the dial-up, you know, internet like circle going <laughs> over my head. Come up with the as many peers. I'll, ent- I'll enter in a ga- game. I'll enter in the game show. Um, so can we just like, yeah. So next time San Diego State, when you make it to the tournament, please have someone interesting on your team. Yes. That's all I ask. Like I agree. The the one thing to oh my god, you guys you guys don't have you guys wouldn't know this video, so I'm not gonna like reference it. Two th- two last thoughts from that game. One, when they played Dream On for like the intro, I like could only think of if K State was playing in the game, I would have cried right then, right there. <laughs> And then um, as I'm watching San Diego State lose by 15 plus, I'm thinking that should have been us. <laughs> we should have been, been the one to lose by 15. I deserve to lose by 15 tonight, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I hate it here. It's all right. All right. So a far more interesting basketball game over the weekend. Um, LSU beat the tar out of Iowa in the women's final. And really, the two stories that came out of that were the officials were god-awful. And Horrible. And then the whole Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark bullshit. I, that whole story is bullshit, honestly. So. I watched. I did watch more of that game than I did the UConn, which, I mean, good for, good for women's college basketball, man. Because LSU's a good team, for one, so they played the UConn role. And Iowa has a really good player in Caitlin Clark and is interesting, which is more than San Diego State could say because they're boring as fuck. Gavin, did you watch any of the game? No. Okay. Gavin <laughs> hates women confirmed. I've, I've done my time in women's basketball. I am retired and I'm done. <laughs> Damn. Cold hearted. I, I have laced up. The bleacher chairs, I am. They're they're gone. They are. Yeah, your sister really did a number on your affinity for women's basketball. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought she I took thought that thing out. She took that thing out and gave it the old old yeller. <laughs> took it out to the woods. <laughs> like oh god. Well, Gavin, I would say next year if you get like a Kate, Caitlin Clark Final Four game, I would watch just for her. She is really good. I will say I, I don't want to like express myself too much on this. Like, it, and I'm going to like yeah. you, I, I said I'm not going to, and then I'm going to. It's, it just sucks that women's college basketball had that light, you know, this weekend. They had that moment, you know, they had a sellout crowd. Most people watched it, and then like you had poor officiating. Uh, you had Bad officiating, not to cut you off, because I know where you're going with the next yeah. part. That, yeah, that's interesting. But I want to absolutely like lambast the officials one more time because it was so bad and it set women's basketball back a decade. It's it's horrible because like they didn't know whether they wanted to be strict or if they wanted to let the game play or if they wanted to change. It didn't even change like quarter to quarter. It changes like every like five minutes spurt, like every five minutes changed within the quarters. It wasn't because like there's plenty of college basketball games where guys could get away with fucking felonies in the first half, and then the second half, we're calling fucking everything, right? And those and games are annoying because it's two completely different ways to call the game, but we're at least being consistent in how we're calling no felonies in the first half, and then 
you know, we're calling littering in the second half. But like we're <laughs> how we're calling it. Like there was no consistency. Like it would be like LSU would get some cheap ass, like two cheap ass fouls on the end of on the end of the quarter or whatever. And so then they'd have to give them back to Iowa. And once they get back to Iowa, everyone was just mugging each other again. Yeah, it was it was very inconsistent. So you had that in the poor officiating. But another moment that they had was you had like you had the you had like the hero or like the the the, the top dog or whatever in Caitlin Clark. Everybody loved Caitlin Clark and the story behind that, how she was playing so well and all that stuff. And then you had kind of not like a villain. I'm not saying she was a villain, but you had Kate Mulkey and like uh um Kind of like a. I'm willing to call Kate Mulkey a villain, bro. Yeah, so you had somebody like you know. Mulkey's a fucking bitch. I don't. She's a fucking care what anyone says. She's just like a a gritty, a gritty person. Just uh, I probably shouldn't say that about a female, but anyways, like she was just a very grinder. Brittany Grinder got her natty, and she basically said, "Ah, good luck with that, like you know, prison camp deal." Like she said, "Fuck you to Brittany Grinder." And and so yeah, you had kind of like that, like storyline build up and all that stuff and then it, it just seemed like everything went wrong it just like they shot themselves in the foot and i feel so bad for women's college basketball because it could have been so much better and it wasn't and then you had the whole angel reese you know going around pointing at her finger which blew social media up which is probably a good thing you know hey women are we're talking about women's college basketball and everything's blowing up but then you have like people hating it and like are people going to come back and watch it next year and stuff like that so it's like it got very political over the weekend and people don't people esca- people escape from to watch sports because of politics and oh, there hearing was some absolute clownery from both sides honestly from even the final four games like it, it got so political and it's like that we don't watch sports we don't listen to you guys talk because of politics we watch you guys to Either a beat each other up on a field or make ball go through basket. Like that's we watch you for those reasons. We watch you for the competition. We watch you because we we love our teams. And you once you make it political, we lose respect. That I'm sorry, and it, it happened. So, by the way, Joe Biden wanting to invite both Iowa and LSU was okay. Funny. That, that was so goddamn fun. Angel Reese won me back. Any hard feelings add to it, Angel Reese? Her like taking that article from ESPN and just reading out what a joke hero moment. And and that's like a participation medal. Like what standard does that set for the national Georgia has won the national championship the past two years and they haven't been invited there yet. And we're going to invite the losers. We're going to invite the losers to the national college basketball tournament. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gav. No, I I just I didn't realize that was a thing. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, dude, I read that and like, I wanted to say something, but like, I wasn't going to just like go out of my way to say it. Like, and then like, I saw Angel Reese say it on Twitter, and I was like, this is a, this is very much a retweet from me. <laughs> we're we're talking about like politics not belonging in sports, and the biggest like politics and sports like meetup layup of all time is bringing the national champions to the white house (laughs) just it's right there it's been happening forever all you have to do is continue doing it because everyone likes it and you fucked that up (laughs) (laughs) the the press secretary to walk it back like she literally (laughs) walked back joe biden's statements 
And it was like, dude, like you can like give kudos to Iowa for like being in the game all you want, but like winners get to go to White House, losers get to watch it on TV. Like that's just the way it is. You get a thank you letter or something. Like thanks for trying. You know, I, what Iowa helped do because Iowa helped do it because it takes two to tango with LSU was nice. It shattered all of the women's like college basketball viewing records. It was more viewed than like the Sugar Bowl, which K State was in, by the way, and like the Orange Bowl and like all these other bowl games. Like it was, it was a big deal. Like it was legitimately a big deal. Um, I do want to address the Angel Reese thing. Um, with my take because I feel like I am the only like sane person here almost because every because everyone wants to like say Angel Reese is like some hood-ass bitch or whatever for doing what she did. And like everyone's like trying to like talk about how Caitlin Clark is the same way and everything. And I just want to say three things. One, I don't care because it's trash talk and it doesn't matter. Um, Two, Angel Reese like following Caitlin Clark around was weird, but like whatever. I guess for me, if I want a natty, you wouldn't see me like. That's the thing. That's the thing. If you win the natty, why are you searching out that person? Go celebrate with your team. She can do whatever she wants. So like, yeah, she can do. Yeah, no, that's fine. Problem with her? I think. I think it's something I wouldn't do. I don't know if I'd call it corny. I I would almost say it's like Caitlin Clark. It's it's almost real estate. Caitlin Clark almost owns, owns real estate. Your head if you're gonna fucking do that shit, you know I see this shit all the time in like fifth middle school basketball. I see this all the yeah. time. That, that's exactly what it reminded me of. I like in my head when I see it, I'm like, oh, like that's super weird. I don't know why you would do that. But the trash talk is whatever. I don't care. Like even in the post, like in the post game too, it's like I don't know why you would talk about Iowa that much. But, like, you can. You won. Like, it's no big deal. So, I don't really have a problem with any of it. And it's the best thing to happen to women's college sports in a long time because people are still talking about it. The men played a national championship game, and we led with that because we're, you know, leading with the men's national championship game because that's how it would happen, and that's the last thing that happened. But we're still talking about this even though it happened on Saturday and we're recording this on a Wednesday. So we're still talking about it. And that's what helps move the needle because guess what? Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are both coming back to college because Caitlin Clark isn't WNBA draft eligible and neither is Angel Reese. And if they get put into a tournament game together, really just anywhere, Iowa could be like a fucking seven seed and LSU could be like a two seed. That game is going to do a fuck ton of numbers, and that's I what basketball needs. I want the NCAA to do the right thing. I'm talking to the scheduler of the NCAA right now. Make that a regular season game. Make that a non. Make that a non-con game. Yes, you got to. Like, you have that's to. The thing. Because, like, here's the thing, right? Beans and I talked about this like pre-show. When Title Nine's only been around for like 50 years, and so like. A lot of like the growth of the sport is only 50 years old, and like call, men's college basketball has been around since like the 
1936. Like, it's been around for almost an extra 50 years. And so, like, that's where all the growth and, like, exposure is. And, like, women's basketball could, you know, get to where men's is right now. And men's could stagnate and all that crap. But, like, you got to have heroes and you got to have villains. And the best heroes and villains are the ones where one's a hero to some and a villain to others. And the other one is a hero to some and a villain to others. And that's a rivalry. And you got to get that shit in the regular season because it's going to put asses and seats and eyeballs on TVs. Yes. And that's and, a good game. You know who does a really good job at that? The NFL. Yes. The, at the end of the time, the NFL gets the chance to schedule a former Super Bowl game in the regular season. They jump at it. They oh, yeah. do it. So I, if the NCAA schedulers are listening to this, uh, I, I, they might be. You know, you never know. Like, they might be listening to the show. Like, do it. Do it. Dude, like Iowa and LSU, I would like drop. I understand. I would watch it. I would watch it. I don't watch women's college basketball. Maybe every now and then, if K State's like on in the background, I'll watch it. Like, you know, maybe, but like that would be a game I'd probably come back and like watch. Well, that's the thing too is, is like people are going to say, oh, you can't drop these small schools. Like, you know, it's an opportunity for them. And like, you know, they'll. You know, this, that, and the other. I would I, I don't care, man. I would drop whatever fucking small school on my schedule that I would need to to get that game to happen. If I was the yep. powers of LSU and the powers of Iowa. You're gonna get I agree. Dude, you're gonna get so much exposure. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get so much money off that game. People are going to tune into that shit. So Gavin, you've not talked for a second. Would you like to give us the last word on this segment. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Title Nine has been around for 50 years. Oh, well, seven, well, 70. 72, I think it is. Like, yeah. 50. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Isn't that weird? I don't want to, like, turn this into, like, a complete Title Nine discussion, but, like, Title Nine, like, 50 years is something to where it's, like, that seems like a really long time ago, but it, like, really isn't that long ago. No. Yeah. Like, we've had, we've, yeah, it's like, that's weird. Like, my mom would have been, like, uh, six, like, when Title IX was passed. But, like, I don't consider my mom, like, old. But, like, I know that she's older. I just, I can't believe, well, I guess it's more one of those things in my brain where uh, I look at it and say, okay, like, we've had this going for 50 years, and women's sports haven't like made a step forward like no to to be fair though like the WNBA is like 1996 and like the women's world cup is like 1991 uh, that's fair there's been other things added. so it, it, it took us about 20 to 30 years to get to like sustainable the WNBA is very much like MLS in the sense of that they started around the same time one could argue that the MLS probably has baked in like growth potential just because soccer was so not like popular in general that like oh, such a good sound. <laughs> also women women's the WNBA has never really had like uh, David Beckham come over and like explode the sport. Yeah, I don't know. No, if, well, I mean, maybe that maybe that's Caitlin Clark. Who knows? Well, it's it's much easier to market your sport internationally when, like, because men's sports are played internationally, women's sports aren't played internationally. It's a good like, point. 
I, I've always felt like that was the biggest issue with the WNBA is you get, you get someone like a Maya Moore, and I know Maya Moore just retired, who's like a megastar at UConn, and then like she goes into the WNBA, is like great and elite, but you don't like see her ever. <laughs> right. Yep. All right, Beans. You have your beer. We're going to do a new segment here with uh, we gave our top fives on offenses, and we decided – that was a little long the tooth. And Gavin and I don't give a fuck about defense. So, Beans, you're the only one here that gives two shits about defense. So, Beans is going to give us his top fives for each defensive group. And then Gavin and I are going to give notes. We're going to critique. Or we're just going to agree because we don't give a shit about defense. Beans, what are the categories? So, I have it broke down between D-line, edge, linebacker, corner, and safety. God, yes. Thank you. Does someone want to tell Beans that defensive line and edge are the same position? No, they're not. I think he's, no, he's talking about interior. Interior, D-line. yeah. Yeah, the interior. Sorry, I interior defensive line, edge I, rushers. I'm here to make fun of you, Beans. Off I know. You do a great job. Off yeah, off-ball linebackers, corners. You just put corners into slot corners. and. Uh... No, but I do have a couple of slot corners on my list, so just uh, – Keep an eye out for that one there. He's going to so. have Julius Brent's as cornerback one, like a fucking madman. No, you're actually going to like my corner. My corner room was fun. So There are a lot of good corners in this draft. I just don't know any of them. <laughs> they're, 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 it's a pretty deep class. All right, so I'll start off with defensive line and kind of yeah, work my way big, ahead. Big, Get the big boy. Man meat. Big boys. All right. So with my number one, this is kind of a disappointing uh, num- number one at first because we don't know like what's going to happen and everything. But number one is Jalen Carter. Like, yeah. ooh. it sucks that like you can't take. I wish I could like I wish I knew what was going to happen because when, when I first made this list, this was like way before like all that shit went down. So it's like. All that shit went down like a month and a half ago. You haven't updated this list in a month and a half. Even if it did change, like Jalen Carter's still a freak athlete and he's still probably going to play at least a year in the NFL. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. That's more of like a thing for the rest of your positions. Uh, some things have changed. So just. Yeah. Okay, good. good but Jalen Carter, regardless, like it is, I sound like a piece of shit when I say that, but like, I, I don't think it really changes him. Like. I don't, think it I don't think it really moves the needle all that much. The D-line crew is like a really weird crew. My number two is Brian Brees out of Clemson. Like this, as far as like Jalen Carter is like a dude, like just a thousand miles an hour all the time. Number two is Brian Brees. Cause he's like the best pure athlete of the D-line crew. Um, so I like him. Number three, I can't say his name. I butcher it every time, but it's at a Tom and Adabaro out of Northwestern. Oh, the dude who ran the stinking fast 40. Yes. Yes. That guy. Uh, fun fact. He's a Kansas city, Missouri guy. Did you, uh, did you, cause J Rob critiqued us on our uh, pronunciation of his name last time. Did you like take a pronunciation class or am I going to get another? You're going to get another one. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a technical foul. Um, for sure. <laughs> So no, I like this guy. Like his only knock is his true is truly his size at 6'2, 282. Um, but his ability to kind of be versatile and moving inside and outside really like moves the needle for me at pushing him up to number three. 
Um, number four is Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt. Um, he's kind of a little smaller guy too, but uh, just wrecks the interior line. Uh, he's just the guy. He's just kind of quicker than those uh, interior offensive linemen and is able to beat him with speed in the middle. Um, number five, this is my guy. I love this guy, and I hope the Chiefs can get him in that like second round spot. Is a uh, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Um, Oh, such a good, such a great name. Just if we wanted to replace Derek Naughty with a day one guy, it is Mozzie Smith. Like I I think he could replace Derek Naughty and probably take that Chris Jones role when Chris Jones is to step away. Um, So that, that's kind of, that's kind of my favorite guy. Sleeper, uh, Keandre uh, Coborn out of Texas. He's every year this guy played made improvements. And so that was kind of, and, and the, the dude's massive, uh, 332 pounds. So just Ooh. a bowling ball of a human being. So that that's what he's, boy. he's a, he's a good sleeper for me. Cause he's somebody you could probably pick up on day three in that fifth, in that sixth and seventh round. And I think he'd be a good addition, a good depth piece. So, okay. um, that, so then moving on to edges, Number one, you want to take a wild guess who my edge number one is? Well, one second. Gavin. Oh, oh no. Gavin no. left. Oh, oh, no. No. oh, no. I was going to ask him if he had any notes. That. See, I don't know anyone on the interior defensive line except the first. The defensive line. So the defensive line crew is a little weird. It's like. It's very like. Uh, top. There we go. The defensive line crew is very weird. Like it's your top three and like it, you got your top five in there. And then like you got these middle guys that are just kind of quiet. But then like the end, I think there's a lot of like secretive players that like we can that can that be really me, especially COVID year guys. Oh, yeah. So moving on to Ed Gavin. Do you have any? Yeah, no, I was I had some technical difficulties there i was gonna add um kind of like similar along what you said i think it's a really deep edge class or deep interior defensive line class i think the top end is that is super 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 good obviously we touched on the Jalen carter stuff but i do think it's really interesting and to transition us to edge it's like one of the things that makes an interior defensive lineman infinitely more valuable is if they can play both on the edge and on the interior and so it's it's kind of funny how there's some players that like blur the lines to play both, but you obviously, obviously it seems like the NFL always prefers that elite as edge rusher or a player being able to get pressure on the edge versus the interior. Cause it's just harder on the interior. But, and, and you'll notice this in my edge crew too. Like there's a couple of guys that can move inside. It's just, they have more bend to their body and, or better uh ankle movement you know and can so they play that edge more predominantly but you can move them inside in packages and like nascar packages and stuff like that so um, big ankle guy yeah big ankle guy um so so with my edge so for your edge i think the question is are you going to go shock with will anderson or are you going to do the crazy thing in the mock that I saw and have Tyree Wilson won? Because I saw Tyree Wilson as the second overall pick in a mock draft this week. So my number one is Will Anderson. Like he, this guy is the best out of your D interior D line and edge. And I would even say linebackers. He is the best front seven guy in this draft. I I'm going to put it there. Um, I agree. He's just very dense. He's very powerful. He's got lots of tools. 
Um, the only thing that slows them down is quicker offensive tackles. So that's, you know, um, pretty, uh, pretty universal. And when you see his comp as Khalil Mack, I, I, I don't think you can, every comp has been Khalil Mack for this guy. So I think he's got a high upside. Um, number two is miles Murphy out of Clemson. Another big body, six five two fifty eight. Clemson had a bunch of dudes, and I don't know how they just weren't better than what they were. Venables, um, bro. So, so Miles Murphy, he's a very, uh, he is a very prototypical four three edge. Where if you have speed on the outside, he is your slow burn on the edge. Somebody to cut inside off the, you know, your speed, your speed edge goes up the arc. He's very much the coming back inside. Um, so I, I think Miles Murphy is um, a good a good uh, interior defensive line. Number three is actually Tyree Wilson. I, I kind of talked to Gavin about Tyree Wilson a while ago, like how he didn't seem um, too exciting to me. But the more I watched on him, the more exciting I got for this guy. Um, just a he is a he's another massive human being at six foot six and very good against the run. The only the only thing that's really his knock is he's not fast off the snap. He's just he's just a slower guy that plays off the snap. But for somebody playing in the Big Twelve who's still a step behind on the snap and still beating tackles, I don't think I think if you can work on that in the NFL, he'd be very impressive. Yeah, seems like a lot of room to grow on that front. Yes. Uh, number four, I have Nolan Smith. This is probably one of the smallest edges I've seen in a while. Six foot two, two thirty eight. Um, but the dude is and athlete dudes are just a he's a dude's dude <laughs> um for being six foot two he's got a long body so and we say six two short i'm five nine <laughs> like, he, he's pretty tall he's still pretty, but he's yeah, he's pretty he's got a pretty he's, he's got a longer body for being six foot two um so <laughs> the only thing that's going to slow him down in the nfl is his size and injury history that's why he's kind of at number four. Like, I think if he would have played this year or, and over the past couple of years, like he could have probably been moved up. Number five is my favorite player is Lucas Van Ness, six foot five, two seventy two out of Iowa. Um, I'm not really sure. I I'll have to re look at this information, but I don't think he's played football forever because he's a former hockey player. So, um, no shit. yeah, the dude's just a brick shit house, man. So built, he's built like a hockey player too. You know, those are the kind of guys that like thrive in the NFL too. And it's then like, oh, I like played hockey like his entire life, and then didn't oh, play yeah. football until like senior year of high school, and then went to a JUCO, and then made it to Iowa. Like those like, dudes are always the guys who end up being like in the NFL for ten years. George Karloftis, I was excited for George Karloftis. I think Lucas Van Ness is on that same level of excitement for me as George Karloftis was, in my opinion. So I'm very big on this guy. Number or, so my sleeper. This guy actually okay. I lied. I said Lucas Van Ness is my guy. This guy is my guy. I love this sleeper. His name is Caleb Murphy out of Ferris State, six foot three, two fifty four. Listen to this stat line from last year. You guys are a freak. This last year he had at edge. He had 93 tackles, 39 tackles for loss, and 25 and a half sacks. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, can you repeat that one more time? 93 tackles, 39 tackles for loss, and 25 and a half sacks. And how many games? In your standard typical season, it's 12, isn't it? Jesus. And a 12 game. He broke. 
he broke the NCAA record of all divisions in sacks. Whoa. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's production. Because yeah, they always they always say if you're gonna be like a get drafted high as a D two guy, like you have to fucking ball out. And, and it's like everybody was like waiting. Everybody was waiting for him to like. Oh well, we'll see how he tests. Tests good. We're oh we'll wait to see how he does at the you know uh, uh, at a bowl game. He did. I, I I like this guy. Very big fan. The only thing that's his knock is his level of competition and his size. But obviously, like I think I think he's one of those where you draft him in day two late day two, early day three, and just give him a couple years to learn and he'll get there. Um, and he's got room to grow in his body. So uh, I, I'm very high on that guy. So very big Caleb Murphy fan. Look for that name. Linebackers. Go ahead. Well, I, I do. You got to try to talk me in. I've seen the Tyree Wilson stuff too, Sam. And you got to like talk me into this dude beans. Cause I'm just genuinely confused. Like, yeah, what it is about this guy. That um, it, I get the like athletic. I get he's just like your prototypical on paper. Like this dude should be awesome, just with measurables, uh, weight tests, all that. I get that. Um, but there's a lot of edge defenders in this class that like they also have that. So what does he bring into the table that they don't? Because every single left tackle and right tackle in the Big Twelve thinks that Felix and DK Uzama is a better edge edge rusher than Tyree Wilson. But for some reason, that Tyree Wilson is a Top ten pick. So the the, the difference between um, Felix Enyudike and Zama and Tyree Wilson is they're it's well they're actually not that. I mean Ty, uh, Felix is a little shorter. Um, uh, Tyree is more of a run stuffer, so his pass rush is going to be different than somebody like a Felix, who's more of a a pass rushing edge. So. There, there's two completely different, um, two to completely different um, how they get off the ball, what their moves are. So, and in a in a division like in a league like the Big Twelve, um, not a lot of ground and pound. You know, a lot of more. Really, that would make sense because my my thing with him is like I I don't really ever see him do things, but like and I just, I said the same thing about Felix. You know, I said uh, I mean you really don't see Felix do a lot of things, but you hear a lot of the the good things about Felix, what he does well. Um, I, I just, I just think that Ty, Tyree Wilson has a better long-term projective approach in the NFL than I think what Felix does, in my opinion. He, he checks more bot. Pretty much the, yes. what I've heard from you is he he just fits what the NFL is looking for more than a D end at Texas Tech. And Felix is a massive dude. Like if you look at Felix's hands, he wears like a five X glove. <laughs> he is a yeah. massive human being. I, I didn't really want that to be a comparison between Felix. Okay, and I thought I thought you were wanting a comparison there. No, just um, like when there's a dude like Felix that isn't all that highly thought of, but left like. Left tackles in the Big 12 are consistently saying that he is a, like, worst matchup or a night, matchup nightmare that Tyree Wilson doesn't present. That seems like a like pretty massive indictment against a top 10 pick that you're trying to project here. I would think you'd want, uh, like, other players to be talking about that. I get that that's not everything, but I also played in the, or we also played in the Big 12. I watched a lot of Big 12 yes. And I couldn't have told you that Texas Tech had a top ten pick on their ro- on their roster. I will say another big thing that Tyree Wilson does is 
when you talk about edge, like you have to have a wide range of tools in your toolbox. I think what Tyree Wilson does well is he has a lot of tools, but he's really fine tuned. Like his three moves that he does, like he has those really knocked down where Felix, I, I think he, you know, I don't speed guy. He is like, he's only got that one. Like he's only got like a certain couple. He does really good at him, but he doesn't have a wide range of, you know, um, when you look at tape on edges, like how well do they, uh, swipe hands or how well do they use both their hands? How well do they, um, how much bend do they have when they're going off against the tackle and stuff like that? So it's stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, he, he looks really only kind of has like a rip move. Yeah. Realistically, like a speed mm-hmm. rip, like Felix didn't really have, and then like the spin off of the speed rip, but like he doesn't really have like a bull rush move. If that makes and, sense. Honestly, like, I, and when I say my top five plus sleeper, my sleeper is not number six. Like, Felix is like right there in that six, seven hole. Like, it's he's like almost top yeah. five. So, sleeper is someone like late day, two, late day two, two day. Yes. So, I just don't want that to get confused with anybody who's listening. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, Felix is being mocked like late one and a lot right. of things late one, early two. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see. We'll see how much truth there is to that. I feel like. A lot of people like to mock him at 31 because he went to K-State and Kansas City is the 31st pick. Yeah. So um, on to linebackers, I'm kind of sad about this group. I, I usually get very excited. I usually I'm get very excited. Panda. I, I usually get pretty excited for the linebackers. Um, I don't even have a sleeper for this linebacker crew. Um <laughs> It, it was just hard. <laughs> and if can't find anything to get excited about for like some low level prospect, like, you know, it's bad. It, it's yeah. a little hard. So my number one is Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Dude is a, so he's a former five-star recruit and he is NFL built man. Six foot five, two thirty-three. Um, you can kind of, he's really versatile. You can move him to the edge on certain packages, but he can also play your off ball. You can play your middle and do fine. Um, and he has a lot of room to grow in his body. Like being six foot five, you know, being a 21 year old, you're still learning. <laughs> you're still learning these moves at tw- even at the age of 21. Um, so as a former five star, he had 103 tackles, nine and a half sacks last year. Like I, I think, I think Drew Sanders out of this top out of these five have the best uh, long-term projection. Number two is Jack Campbell, another six foot five, two forty-six guy out of Iowa. He's another throwback linebacker. Um, one hundred twenty-five oh. tackles last year. Um, watching his film, he reminds me of a bigger Leo Chanel. <laughs> so, and you knew how excited of linebacker. What's that? Classic Big Ten linebacker. Well, you you know how excited I was for Leo Chanel last year. Like I have that same excitement for Jack Campbell. So, um, and he has just enough uh, repertoire to be a good pass defender too. So I think he has that slight advantage over Leo Chanel. Um, the <laughs> it's fun watching him. Like he's just fast as fuck. And his body's just so clunky when he's moving because he's so tall. I think he might have just grown to six foot five because he's like, he, he looks like he's just learning how to use it. So he's kind of like a baby giraffe trying to walk sometimes. I kind of compare that. Um, but I do like Jack Campbell. Number three is Trent Simpson, six foot three, 240 uh, linebacker out of Clemson. Um, he's not good. He's not great, but he's just a versatile guy. Um, so he's my number three. 
Number four, here's kind of here's where the short kings come in, man. Uh, number four is uh, number four is Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. Um, guess how tall he is? I'm, dude, five nine. I don't know. Gavin, five six. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's five foot ten. Uh, yeah. Five foot ten. Two two hundred and thirty one pounds. Um, so he's an aggressive downhill linebacker. Very smart, very quick, very fast twitch guy. He's such a fast twitch guy for being five nine. Um, the only knock that I have for him, aside from his size, you know, when we talked about um, uh, Bryce Young, you know, we talked about how his size is his only knock. Like <laughs> that's the same thing with Ivan Pace. The only knock I have with Ivan Pace is he is just reckless abandonment. Dude doesn't like. I think that's what is going to hurt him in the NFL. He'd be a great special teamer. That's that's probably his projection, in my opinion. And that's sad that he's number four on my list because he's going to be a special teamer. Um, and then number five is uh, we got to see this guy, Tulane linebacker Dorian Williams. Uh, he was the 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 cool thing about Dorian was he was the guy on the defense. Like when you're at a school like Tulane, like. When you're at a big school, you have a guy probably you have a dude on your front line. You have a dude on your linebacker core and you probably have a dude in your secondary. You have probably three guys on your defense that you would talk about at Tulane. Like he had to be the guy. So that's kind of why I, I'm very you know, a lot of people probably won't have him this high. But I do because like the, he was probably the central point focal point of that Tulane defense. Um, very good in coverage. Um, and. The only thing that I could see him really working well in in the NFL is being a sub package linebacker. So that's why he's not a really high round mock draft. He's only going to be like a third down, third and long linebacker for coverage purposes. So any any knocks there? I don't know who half those guys are. So no. <laughs> the, the only thing that I'll add to the linebacker class is just the general sentiment that the linebacker class sucks. And it's sad. Yeah. Like when you, you, uh, you introduced it that way, which was perfect. I just wanted to again, emphasize it that like, holy shit. It's what? Yeah. Uh, it's bad. Uh, a good, a good room. This corner room was fun. I love this room. This is such a great, it's very, uh, it's a very deep room. Um, number one, I got Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. I don't think I need to say anything there. He's clear cut. Number one, um, number two and number three was really hard for me. And it's going to kind of be a little controversial. Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois is my number two. Um, some people are like, Oh, why isn't Joey Porter jr. Number two? That's cause he's my number three. Um, I think <laughs> that's, how that, that's how it works. I think Devin, I think Devin one number two quarter. Um, I think with Devin Witherspoon is um, a lot of NFL teams are going into sub packages now, like a four, two approach, more, more secondary, more speed. I think Devin Witherspoon fits that approach there. Um, he can play three downs. He can do it all. He's got, he's really, really fast, he's really good at changing direction. Uh, and then with Joey Porter, just a tall guy at six, three, uh, very lengthy, very long. Um, and he's patient. But sometimes and sometimes that's good for a corner to be patient with quick guys and kind of see what route they're running. Sometimes it hurts him. Sometimes he's a little too patient and 
and can get burnt off that. Um, not, but he's he's pretty good at recovering from be, getting burnt, so per se. So um, that's why he's pretty high up there. If he fucks up, he fixes his fuck up pretty quick. Um, number four, the guy I'm probably most excited about is Keely Ringo. You don't see a lot of six foot two, two hundred seven corners coming into the NFL. Um, he's kind of just a big guy, former four star athlete. I compare him. This is my comp for uh, uh, for Keely Ringo. DK Metcalf playing corner. Okay. That that, yeah. that just just watch him play, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, that, that's DK Metcalf. Um, that so not much knock there. Number five is De- uh, number five is Deontay Banks uh, out of Maryland. Just a physical guy. Only knock is he's kind of too grabby, which causes him to have a lot of penalties. And my sleeper, I have three sleepers. <laughs> I, that's, I have three sleepers. Yeah, well, you're, I feel like you're allowed one for the uh, lack of linebacker sleeper. I don't know where the other one's coming from. Well, okay, so um, oh, now if you're gonna make me pick, no, I'm gonna say all three. I don't yeah, give a fuck. All three. We, yep. Okay, so my first one is Julius Brents. You guys know why? Yep. He's not really much of a sleeper because he's climbing. You yeah. just have to hype him up. I, I, you cannot hype this guy enough because he's not getting enough love. Um, I, I tell you what, we can just not count that one as a sleeper. Um, yes, Julius Brent. I read a mock draft today, and he was mocked at pick thirty-five. Yep, and that's I was, a, it's crazy because when I started doing mock drafts, like before the Senior Bowl. Like it was like in the I, sixth round. I was yeah. getting, I was able to get him in the sixth round, and now it's like I have to fight to get him in the second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like I, I'm so glad he didn't come back K State, bro, because he's made himself so much goddamn money. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's and as a former safety playing corner, he's got that tackle ability. I love him as a corner, and I hope his transition to the NFL is big. Um, he, he feels like. Not, I'm gonna say slower Tariq Woolen because of like size and everything. I I mean I'm not gonna compare him to a Pro Bowl corner, obviously. Yes, but like, which, which is a good reference here. Keep going. He's just a slower like version of Tariq Woolen, which means that he has a good chance of being like a very good pro. Yeah, I've I've said this on the podcast before, but if you want to watch a clinic on one of the top, if and some people's top wide receiver in the draft class. Go watch the Big 12 championship game, Julius Brantz against Quentin Johnson. Like, just look for, look for that game. It is the best I've ever seen a corner play and still happen to give up 150 yards because the uh, Horned Frogs were the team of destiny this year. But, like, he's play- Julius Brantz stepped forward this season, meant so much to Kansas State meant so much to just it was i mean the original tcu game during the season where he gets hurt and then our defense basically just kind of folds down the stretch folded he pulled his hamstring of that td yeah he did yep that's but no julius julius sorry julius Brents. i think all three of us are super super excited rightfully so so okay so one thing one go ahead and then i i have something to add on to it go ahead um I don't think we really appreciated. I, I don't think we'll be able to fully appreciate it till they all get drafted. But like the amount of like pro talent that K State had this last year, especially yeah. when you consider some of the guys that came back on the offensive line that could have gotten drafted. Like K State very well 
might end up with a top 50 pick edge guy, a top 50 pick corner, and like a top, like probably Deuce is going to probably go day three running back just because he's so small. But like realistically, one of your best offensive players like ever that still gets drafted despite being literally 5'5". Five, five. Just a PSA out there for fans of football. All like we knew coming into the year, we talked about it on our preview show for K State how talented this K State team was had potential to be across the rest of the roster, but we didn't know the quarterback situation and everything. It literally took like we all of that talent, everything was there, and the entire season we still sat here and basically just lambasted this team because we didn't think we could beat good teams until the emergence of uh Heisman candidate and Will Howard season uh came about but it's the the quarterback position is so fucking important in football but yes we we got so much we had so much talent on this team it's just kind of incredible how much uh that didn't matter for our team looking good over the first couple weeks it was just a really gross way to win because we couldn't put together drives with our quarterback position all right, so, now that we are done yeah, jacking derailed. off the K-State football. No, no I have some more. I have some more that you guys can stroke more. off to. He's going back for another. He'll have another. Okay, so the Chiefs over the past four years, ever since Steve Spagnuolo has taken over as defensive coordinator, a writer has uh, taken the role of kind of learning like what kind of cornerback Steve Spagnuolo likes, and he's created a metric, and it's called uh, CBAT, cornerback athletic testing. Okay, and so... Uh, the four criteria is length, uh, 40 time, vertical jump slash broad jump, and bench press. Okay. Last year, tier one CBAT qualifiers was Tariq Woolen, Zion McCollum, Damari Mathis, and Nazi Johnson. And those of you that don't know, Nazi Johnson was drafted by us in the seventh round last year. Correct. I do know that. Um, 2023 CBAT tier one uh, qualifiers. DJ Turner out of Michigan, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, and Julius Brents out of Kansas State. So if this is a year where where Kansas City might take a corner higher and they're available, Julius Brents might be that number one corner for us off the board. Oh my God, if we took him at 31. I'd be so excited for him. I would hate that pick at 30. No, so it's like, it's like, it's a very strong, because according to like, we've taken a, a tier one CBAT whenever we've gotten the chance. Legereus Sneed, um, I think, I can't remember if Legereus Sneed was the only, no, Legereus Sneed met those qualifications too. So anytime we've drafted a corner, um, we've we've met those uh, qualifications with with Steve Spagnolo as oh, Jeff McDuffie. Not uh, a, he he must not have been a tier one guy. So he wasn't a tier one. So I guess he he's probably he doesn't qualify. There. They had a, they had a grade one grade one grade on him though. A yes, round one. So on him, which is why they traded up. Yes, and so like you know like taking Ignazi Johnson in the seventh round as a tier one C bat isn't that bad because you know he's got arm yeah, length like a layup honestly uh, you got arm length broad jump uh 40 time and so you know yeah, I mean you're, uh, you're just taking him if he sucks he's a seventh round pick yes so I mean, um 
So if, if we're going off of history, like we've taken a corner that's met these criteria and you're kind of hoping that Julius Brent's kind of meets that <laughs> like, like, Oh, we might take him in the second. So, um, All right. so that again, now that we've, now that we're completely done blowing our load to K state football, let's, uh, let's get your last two sleepers for quarter. Okay. Uh, my second, uh, my second sleeper is Riley Moss. If anybody's shocked that he's on my list, get the fuck out of here. No, like not Riley all. Moss. Not <laughs> Give no me notes. some Riley perfect. Moss, motherfucker. I love that guy. Keep him perfect, coming. Perfect list, no notes. <laughs> uh, my third sleeper, and I want everybody to write this name down. I'm excited for this motherfucker. Starling Thomas the Fourth out of UM University of Alabama, Birmingham. UAE Blazers. Go Blazers. I watched very little film on him, but there was one clip where he just fucking he, I don't know if he got burned. Somebody else got burnt. And he is flying down the fucking field and caught up to him. He didn't make the tackle because the guy scored. But the dude made up ground 50 yards away. Holy fuck. I have never been so excited just watching somebody sprint their fucking ass off. Runs a forward. Write his name down so that way we can remember him when no one remembers him. Yeah. So he's a four three forty guy, uh, four year starter, freak, just good developmental corner. Like if you, you're going to take a chance on somebody in UDFA or round seven, Starling Thomas. You know, I'm I'm excited for that guy. I hope he makes a name. He's going to be a special teamer. He's going to be an all world special teamer. Calling it. He's going to be the Marcus Kemp of corners. That I'm calling it. Like that that dude is fucking fast. I. I can't no. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to safeties. Number one, Brian Branch out of Brian Branch out of Alabama. I don't think I need to say anything there. Uh, number two is Sidney Brown out of Illinois. Um, dude's a heat-seeking missile. Just blaze the wood. Um, number three is Chris Smith out of Georgia. Uh, he's a very, very smart safety. Just really intelligent. A little bit on the small side at 5'11", but... I think he makes up for an intelligence. Number four is JL Skinner out of Boise State. Six foot Great four, name. six foot four, two oh nine. Dudes, I'm in. I'm in I'm, I'm all for this guy. The dude's a specimen. Like, I the only thing that re- he plays really wild. Like, he's just a fucking. Just, of course he did, dog. His name is JL, JL Skinner. JL Skinner. Never gonna play within the structure of a defense. No, I'm excited for this guy. <laughs> Really excited. Honestly, he gets my guy stamp. Number five is Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was the uh, one of the few guys to have a 4.0 GPA um, on Notre Dame. I'm going to have to look that up again uh, to see if that's confirmed. Just a very smart guy. Um, can read offensive uh, read offensive schemes really well. I think, he, I think he could probably be a day one starter in the NFL. Just a Swiss Army knife of a of a safety. He's not great at anything. He's just good. He's just good at everything, and that's why I think he could be a starter. Um, my sleeper, same same story as Riley Moss. Uh, his name is Daniel Scott out of California. Eighty five tackles uh, and three interceptions his senior year. Uh, he's just got an attractive athletic profile. Six one two zero eight. Um, run stuffing safety will be a special teamer. Um, very, uh, very good instincts. His only knock is he's 24 years old. So, you know, by the time he's done with his first de- contract in the NFL, he's 28. 
So those guys are almost like the most worth it though, and you can just cut bait with them. Like it, you just know that like you're, you're gonna, gonna get pay them from twenty four to twenty eight, and then once they're twenty nine, like we're done. You're, yeah, we're we'll give you maybe another. Here. Yeah, we might give you another one year deal worth chump change, but you ain't getting any more. So um, any knocks there? No, I uh, to touch on Brian Branch. Brian Branch is a badass. Uh, oh yeah, I don't think there's any reason not to like. No, he's um, Al- Alabama took a step back and played in the lowly Sugar Bowl, where teams like the Kansas State Wildcats go to play um, this year. Brian Branch was not a reason for that. Brian Branch is uh, very much lives up to the name Alabama, like all over the field. The, safety don't don't uh when you say safety he's not just sitting back in uh his cover two shell and waiting no. for the to make mistakes he's involved he's in a way almost a just an adi- additional linebacker on the field well and he could be moved around into multiple different packages like the cool thing about what alabama has this year uh in the draft is there are three top 20 safeties like right. there's there's three of them and it's and brian branch is at the top because he was the key focal point of all three of those safeties. Like those other two would come in just to play. And he was like the brains and operations behind it. So um, whoever gets him, he's a, he's a good, he's going to be a good safety. So um, I think he's got the, he's got the most like high, the highest ceiling of all that, uh, all those guys. So. Yeah. Nope. I hundred percent. Well done, Beans. I can't read. I can't read offenses to save my life, but I love defense. I love. I love reading defenses. I I think you absolutely crushed it, Beans. I you know, for what it's worth, I think that you did a much better job on your own than Gavin and I lying about the uh, consensus <laughs> top five or the uh, positions. <laughs> they have no fantasy value. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. That's why I don't care. Well. Uh, no, I'll save that. My, my hot take is actually about just defensive position in today's football anyways. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, to hear yeah, it. We, we're finally going to give hot takes again, right? Eventually. Yeah. You have to wait for a second, all of you patient viewers, um, because we promised we're contractually obligated to mention Major League Baseball. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. It happened. It happened. Opening day happened last, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, the Royals... Couldn't score in a brothel for 20 innings, and then suddenly they did. Hey, yeah, and they won a game. Yet. What was it, yesterday? The other day? They won a game the other day. Who knows? Yeah. All I know is the Red Sox scored uh, fucking 32, 33 runs in the first four games and are now two and four, so I hate to hear it. <laughs> hey, it's a long season. You don't win, you don't win uh, in April, man. You don't win the World Series in April. You don't win in April until you, you're out of the playoffs by one game because you lost a game in April. <laughs> no, it, um, it's... Yeah, so I don't know. I paused really briefly there because I thought we were going to get something out of beans because I completely interrupted him. No, no. I, I just aside from the Royals, like um, I know the attendance. I heard the attendance numbers the other night was like ten thousand people, and we're talking about building a new stadium, and it's kind of like, well, are we going to build a stadium of like fifteen thousand to make the stadium look bigger, or like what are we going to do here? That's what I would do. Yeah, like I'm I'm serious. Like I think Kaufman sits like 30. We need to bump those numbers down at that next stadium, man. I'm all for I it. I personally think 
the future baseball stadiums for smaller markets. This isn't like the Yankees, because like the Yankees and Red Sox will get a ton of people to come regardless for the most part. I think the future of baseball stadiums is ten to fifteen thousand people in downtown cities with like metro areas. Like literally, oh. imagine basically what I'm imagining is, in you know where the Sprint Center is, how Power and Lights literally right across yeah. the street. That yeah. but a baseball stadium. Yeah, uh, well, and like I went to a Wichita Wind Surge game here a couple of years ago, and it only seats like eight thousand. I think it's not hard to fill eight thousand seats in Wichita, Kansas. And so, like, somebody like Kansas City, like, if they are talking really seriously, talking about building the stadium, you know, I kind of made fun of you a little bit when you talked about getting those numbers, having the less seats in the stadium. I'm all for it now. After hearing these numbers, it's like... You just can't fill it. No, you can't anymore. You can just increase ticket prices when you make the playoffs. Because, like, people will just pay more for it. Yeah. It's like... Addition of subtraction, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you could probably have like extra seats that you just tarp over like that. Well, and like that. if, if 10,000 people are there for the beginning of the season on a school night in April, you know, like I'm trying to think of all these conditions on why there's 10,000 people there and a 30,000 seat stadium, it looks empty and a 15,000 seat stadium. It looks more exciting and uh, yeah. like, oh, I, I should go to these games. There's more people there. I mean, the big, the biggest thing is. Here's the thing. If the Roy really, if any team make, you don't want to make the stadium for in the event that you make the playoffs. Cause it doesn't matter like how big you make the stadium. As long as you don't make it like a hundred thousand people, like any normal baseball stadium in the playoffs will be sold out because yeah. of the playoffs. like it doesn't matter. You're trying to like reduce the cost that you have to pay during the 162 game season or whatever you're, you're just trying to reduce the cost of the upkeep of the stadium yes like if you cut if you cut your attendance in half like that's half of the amount of like seats that you need to keep prepared like areas you need to clean like all sorts of stuff and honestly just a smaller like stadium in general is probably just better Smaller stadium with like 5,000 overflow capacity or something would probably just be the I'm, best. We need to go to a wind surge game. Like those games, that, that was more fun than I think I would have at a, at a Royals game at this point. I've never been. I have like heard they're fun. They're, it's a good time. And it's only 15 bucks, man. Oh, that is, that is a good deal. Yeah. It's, so it's, the, big, the big story, though, in baseball, I know we talked about the Royals and the Red Sox for a little bit. Um, we're like long and short, we're six games into the season. Um, we're not going to start talking about baseball until we're like 60 games in. Like, yeah, like if we, if we're really ever going to, uh, we're not going to cover baseball like that. You guys know that we've been doing this for a year. We didn't last year, but like baseball is so irrelevant right now in the sense that we're six games in. And that's like, I think I did the math on it. It's like the first half of the first quarter of a preseason game. Oh my <laughs> so, god! Holy no. shit! No, I think I think it's the first half of the first quarter of like the week one of the NFL or something. Like, but that's what it is. I've done the math on it before, and it's literally it's literally like nothing, right? So, like, yeah. But the the big improve the big thing for baseball really is the new rules and the big new rules are as follows. The two that really, I don't care about are the bigger bases, which I honestly, they didn't look as dorky as I thought they would when I watched again, watch games. 
they look fine. I hear in person though, it's a big difference. On TV, I, I bet you if I'm watching from like the upper deck, they'll look a little bit dorky. On TV, they look fine. Yeah, it looks normal. It looks, you know, perspective. Not having the shift, honestly, I don't love it, but I get why they do it, so I don't hate it, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah. But the big one that everyone's been talking about is the pitch clock. And for everyone who doesn't know, basically, how we implemented a pitch clock, basically the batter has to be ready to hit the ball by the eight-second mark of a 15-second pitch clock, and the pitcher has to get it off. In 15 seconds, unless there's a run on base, then it's the same thing, except there's 20 seconds. Yes. So I know that a lot of people, including myself, did not really like it during spring training. And then immediately after everyone got used to it, it really works. And it's probably the best change that baseball could have made. (laughs) So at first I thought it was just like an umpire, like gimmick, like just making it all about themselves. Cause I feel like MLB umpires just makes it all about themselves. Um, not saying anything there. Uh, sorry, but I'm just saying that. Um, but now it's like, yeah, this is like, this is cool. I like this. There, there was a game that finished yesterday. The Marlins game with uh, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. The game lasted an hour and 57 minutes. And see, these old fucks out here, I'm sorry for part of my French here, part of my fucking French. Shut the fuck up that you paid so much money to go to this game and, you know, you want to see a four-hour fucking ball game. Sorry, my ass can't sit in a seat for four fucking hours. Dude, I can I'm do sorry. Honestly, I... I'll, I'll miss it for playoff games because I love the drama of the playoff games. Right? Yes. The, play, the playoff games lasting like three, four hours doesn't necessarily bother me. But like, I love how people are like, oh, well, you're paying the same amount of price for less baseball. And it's like, bro, they just sped the game up. Like, all you're missing is like guys standing around for 20 extra minutes. Like, what the fuck are you paying for when you go watch a football game? When you go watch a football game, it is the same length of time and you're paying quadruple the price. Okay, you're going to an NFL game, a college football game or whatever, and you're paying quadruple the price. You're going to a $40 fucking baseball game and it's the same length as a football game. I'm sorry. That sounds better in my opinion. Baseball was getting way too long in the two. The thing is, is like baseball, like it, it, the time had been increasing is the scary part. Yes. Year after year, it had been increasing. And it's just like, oh, my God, could you imagine? The reason the reason the people liked it so long is because those people grew up on baseball and loved that. But what MLB is facing here is those people are dying. Those people are dead now. We need to find the new fans, the people to start liking the game again with our short attention span as young human beings. We don't have that. We have the fucking brain capacity of a fucking squirrel. We're on the go all the fucking time. We need these short games, the two-hour games. So I am all for it because our fucking pea brains can't handle that shit. We can't handle four-hour games. We need the two-and-a-half-hour ones. Two things. One, the average length of a baseball game, like in the minor leagues, essentially, because they they implemented this in the minor leagues beforehand. Yes. So like, that's how they test it, which honestly is like really fun. But um, the average length of game is now like the same as it was in like the 60s and 70s or something like that. And at that point, they were talking about how baseball games were getting too long. 
So, like, so this has been a this has been a problem for like ever because like everyone just takes fucking forever. The only thing that'll set MLB back here is if they start incorporating like TV timeouts or something like that. Where oh. like you're you're you know, oh they're like oh well we went from four hour games to two hour games now we got to add in TV time so that way we can make up for the uh, commercials that we were you know we because they were making a lot of money on commercials now they're not. I, I one reason I feel like that won't happen is because baseball is so inherently built for commercials. You play a half inning. You play, and then you go to commercial. You play a half, play a half inning, inning, you half go to commercial. <laughs> yes. There's it, a pitching it, change, you go to commercial. Like, it, it's literally built for it. It's the perfect yeah. sport for ads. Like, it, yes. it is. Ba- baseball is a great sport, and I'm glad that it's, like, speeding up. Because, again, you know, it's it, it was getting too long in the tooth. But, um... I was going to say one other thing to you about the uh, time. I can't remember what it was. Uh, the, the one thing that other people knocked about the time is like, oh, it takes away the mental, uh, the mental side of baseball. And I'm like, well, no, no, it just it kind of reinvents it a little bit. It kind of makes you have to like think a different way um, as a pitcher and as a catcher. And you're starting to see it like Zach Greinke's calling his own pitches on his glove to the catcher and his pitch com. Um rather than the than the catcher calling it. So it's like you're seeing a different game of baseball, and I'm all for it. I love it. It's great. Um, it's actually making fans want to watch it. So Now the problem is just getting fans being able to watch it. And that, so, that, so, that, so it took them six years to resolve the issue of the games being long. Uh, it's going to take them another six years to resolve uh, people actually watching the games. So. <laughs> Blackouts. Um, this but is that's a, a conversation for another game. Baseball has got to be the only product that like doesn't want you to actually watch it. They yes. It so That's yes. what you're there. Okay, Beans. Do you have a thought-provoking moment this week? Um, let me not, look here. Straight into hot takes. Let me look for you real quick. Um, well, while Beans is looking, Gavin, ooh. would you like to say anything? Because we pretty much talked over you with baseball for the last 10 minutes. No, I um genuinely uh what was going on there was exactly what had happened. I had no idea baseball had started. Like it had happened, <laughs> and um, like even um all the oldies, you know, old people listening to this podcast. Like opening day used to be like like a American holiday, like a big deal. Like, oh, did I wish it? I wish it was on a Friday, and I wish they'd give us a three day weekend. That'd be so nice. Genuinely couldn't told you the opening day happened. I like no idea. Do all teams play on opening day? I couldn't tell. Uh, you. Yeah, they do actually. I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yep. Got baseball. Well, I was going to let you have the floor for literally anything. You could have said anything about anything. It didn't have to be baseball. No, I'll stay somewhat on topic. Just like I literally like I. I just can't get hard about baseball. It's just impossible. Again, <laughs> this has been a really blasted show for you. Women's college basketball and baseball. Yeah, it's like the and defense. Oh, and yeah, yeah defense. <laughs> We're so sorry, Gavin. Gavin's over here. Like, I have to take Viagra to get ready for this show. <laughs> let, let, let's run down the show sheet that we've had so far. One of the most boring national championship games of all time. The women's game that Gavin doesn't care about, the defense that Gavin doesn't care about, and the baseball that Gavin doesn't care about. 
To well, be fair, here's I, I here's some. A, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, like, I I understand. I have a very narrow mindset when it comes to sports, but it's also like everything that I got is put into that. So you just kind of get what you get, but it's everything. So we're, but we're, you just, know, we're gonna expand your horizons this offseason, Gavin. Not to baseball, you ain't. I, I challenge you to watch what you know what we should you know what you should do. It, this would be an incredible segment while Beans is probably ready to give his thought provoking moment and I'm completely cutting him off from it. I think one thing that would be hilarious is if Gavin just chose to watch like once a week or just a baseball game in general and just gave a synopsis of what he watched. Ah! I saw guys throw things and other guys just no, hit it. I understand how baseball works. I understand like the like depth of how it works, but I would just start drinking so heavily. Like, well, that sounds like good content right there. <laughs> No, like during the game, like I'd just be hung over for the show. <laughs> so you know right. what you can get excited for, Gavin? The thought-provoking moment. The thought-provoking moment, man. <laughs> Damn, what a transition. Maybe you should be the host. No, no. You won that game, remember? Okay. I did win that game of like who wants to do this. <laughs> All right. Serious question, though. Like what the fuck happened to the number one pencil? Where'd it go? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Where did I it go? We literally just jumped straight to number two. We jumped straight to the two hole. Like, where did it go? I, does number two, like, is that, is it like, uh, like number two lead or something like that? I feel like that's. Where's the number one lead? Is number one better? We're literally writing with the worst utensil because there's something better out there and we just can't write with it. By the way, pencils over pens, like, forever. I write with pens a lot right now because I have to, but like pencils over pens forever. Yeah, because you can fix your fucks up. So, but exactly. like, so so you're telling me this whole time we've been writing with the worst option. Like it doesn't well, make sense. You, you see, beans. Now you're making me look this up. I, now I just I yeah, know. I no. genuinely asked uh, someone a qu- that question to try and get an answer. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, damn it. I hate when your thought provoking moments are like actually like, like somewhat like smart and like <laughs> in my brain a little bit. <laughs> I was expecting something about a fucking yeah. rap. Give me something stupid. Definitely <laughs> incorrect. Does this make up for the sandwiches cut diet? No, that one. No, <laughs> nothing will ever make up for that. I found the number one bean pencil from Ticonderanga, which is the number one pencil maker. Where okay. did the number one pencil go? I think they have them. <laughs> I, I think it's just something to do with the lead. But and why does the lead have to be? Why do we have to discriminate because of the okay, lead? So the number one pe- So Okay. The softer the lead, the darker the markings. Pencils, pencil lead numbers indicate the softness and hardness of lead or core. The pencil with number one pencils. So no, the of the pencil, the number one pencils. So with number one lead being the softest and the number four pencils being the hardest. So I'm guessing because it's so soft, people hate it. It probably like uses more lead per stroke, which makes sense on why it would be darker, which makes it a less efficient, less efficient pencil and probably smears more. Hang on, keep talking, keep talking, keep going. He's grabbing another beer. 
no, like, I, I guess would it snap more, too? Like, is that... Um, it the lead might, but, like, in a pencil itself, I don't think it would be a big deal. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think... So, from my one art class that I took with Miss Murley, <laughs> I believe that because it's a darker lead, that means that it puts down more lead per stroke, maybe, which means that it probably, A, would smear more, and B, would just, like, again, be less efficient. So, yeah. I think it's better for, like, I mean, you use it for drawing for darker shading. Oh, dude, is that what they, is that what that is? So, so are I, all I are all mechanical pen, are all mechanical pencils number two? I then I have no idea what kind of lead you use for that. My guess is that number two is probably the cheapest, the cheapest lead per goodness. I don't know. Which now now I gotta look. At that. Okay. <laughs> Why do we use number two lead in pencils? No, it doesn't help. Mentalfloss.com so, is not giving me anything. So so is there number three, number four, number five? I yeah. think it only goes up yes. to four. Uh, well, number one, two, two, five, three, and four. That's okay, so it goes up to five. Yeah, but in that order. So I think we should order a number five pencil and see like how now good. We gotta order all five and then see what happens. Yeah. So what are so what are pens? They're they're ink. They don't use glass. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What are pens? They don't have any fucking lead. So good. You're doing so good, <laughs> Why? I, I, was, I was with you with the mechanical pencils, too. I was like, oh, yeah, that is a good question. What do I probably number two lead, but I don't know. Maybe it's a special kind of lead. Then you went and you're like, what are pens? They're fucking pens, bro. Oh, they do. They do pen things. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that to a pencil. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I, when it comes to number two pencils, they're the middle of the road. Um, so we've been writing with mediocrity our whole life. Well, yeah. <laughs> Including what I'm putting on paper. <laughs> the words and all. <laughs> <gasps> the lead is not too dark and not too light, not too hard, not too soft. So it's literally just the middle of the road pencil, and that's probably why we use it. Sounds like me. Probably yeah. why it's the same. I, I mean, you could go out and just grab a number one pencil and do all your shit in it. It would just be really dark. Yeah. Wouldn't that be better? Writing. Don't you want darker writing, though? No, because you're probably putting more lead down because it's a softer pencil, so it would smear easier. Uh, this reminds me of people asking me about my political views, and I just kind of like you know I'm I'm pretty much a moderate, but I'm kind of in the middle on that too, and so that that's where we are with this. It's just the best way. Yes, beans. How do they make the pencils then? Well, um, obviously, some of the pencils grow up in a society where they're pampered to, and. They, <laughs> Have you ever seen the Sneeches beans? The what? The Sneeches. No, I haven't seen the Sneeches. You've never seen the Sneeches? No, it's the Sneeches. Oh, uh, it's the one with the uh the star bellies and like the non-star bellies. You've never <laughs> seen beans. How have you never seen the Sneeches? Gavin's never seen the Sneeches. I've never seen the Sneeches. 
What are snitches? Snitches get stitches. <laughs> okay, so a quick Dr. Seuss thing. Basically, what happens is is there's a. So this is like a really good allegory for racism and prejudice, actually. Um, so I'll give the clip notes. Basically, there's two equal like bird creatures, and I call them bird creatures because Dr. Seuss made them. So who knows what the fuck they are? And some of them have stars on their bellies, and some of them don't have stars in their bellies. So the ones with stars like live in the really nice. Essentially, they live in like luxury or whatever because they have stars yeah. on their bellies, and the others don't. So some other do. So some salesman comes up. He's like, hey, I have this uh, machine and it like puts stars on your bellies. So all the ones without stars go and they pay him to get stars. And then the starred ones are like, oh, well, this is bullshit. So they go to the salesman and he's like, oh, I have one that removes stars. So they get them removed and they're like, oh, yeah. See, now like, you know, not having a star is like a symbol of high class because you're deformed or whatever. And so then they just go back and forth paying this dude like, all their money to like get stars or to get them off, depending on what their group is doing. And it ends with like nobody knowing who belongs to who people having multiple stars, people having no stars. And then the guy with the two machines leaves with all their money. And then they become like a society like mixed together. And they like, they don't, they don't care about stars after that. Okay. So what does that have to do with making pencils? No, I think it has to do with racism, which is that's how they make cards off pencils. Yeah, that's, that was the whole like was like Gavin was like, oh, well, a society with uh, two lead and one lead and blah blah blah. But how do they get the lead down the middle? They probably just uh, I don't know, man. Like they probably just like make it, uh, you see tight. how tightly bonded that pencil is with that lead. Like, I would imagine that they put it into a square block and then they press the square block really tight. I'm going to say uh, they have a machine that cuts pencil-sized uh, pencils out of trees. And when they do that, trees just naturally have that lead inside them until you shave it off and start writing. Beans, there's got to be a how, how it's made video on YouTube out there for you to watch, man. I, I'm not an expert on why pencil or how they make pencils. What are erasers made out of? No, nope, no, nope, nope. This is a different. This is a different thought. <laughs> what, what are the erasers like? What's erasing it's that rubber, lead? Dude. It's just rubber. Anti lead. <laughs> lead off. Lead off. Why well, I mean, God? <laughs> I really you with <laughs> You ever have? A bunch of from your written essay? I've written down a curse word by accident. Use the end of this pencil. Let be gone. <laughs> your mistakes today. Call now. Wow. Easy payments in 1999. <laughs> Only 499. We, we, we gotta get hot takes and get out okay. of here. Okay. We, we, we've lost the plot. Okay. Whew, sorry, I didn't mean to do that to All you guys. Right. Um, Gavin, do you want to lead with hot takes? You kind of already. Yeah, Beans was that. happy about his. Um, I really just want to talk about, like, especially for teams in Kansas City's division, what is the point given, like, rules, given scheme of, like, that the Kansas City Chiefs can throw out there? Like, if you're, a, if you're the Raiders, you're the Chargers, 
you're the Broncos. You're sitting here looking at the Chiefs. Why are you like adding talent to the defensive side of the football in any way, shape, or form? Like what genuine? And I mean that like I've heard this take, and I'm saying this because I don't think it's getting enough traction. Like genuinely, what are you supposed to do other than keep up and hope you get the ball at the end? I like I feel like that is so correct, and so it, it's more correct than it's getting validity to. Um, just with what Kansas City is able to do on offense with the la- complete lacking uh, supporting cast that we had. I I, I want to know your guys' thoughts on it. I've heard it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. But every time I hear it, it gets posed as a joke. I don't think it's a joke. Two like, things. One, there's not that many good quarterbacks to help keep up, and mm-hmm. that might be part of the reason. It's probably easier to build a better defense than it is to find that quarterback who can actually keep up. Yes. And two, well, it's three things, actually. Two, I think people genuinely think, oh, we'll get this good defense and it can help us win other games throughout the season and it'll get us into the playoffs and then that's all that you really need to do to give yourself a chance. And three, this is like kind of a hot take. I think a lot of people like watch Super Bowl 55 and like that's like the Moby Dick of games. And like people just are trying to like say, oh, we can do that if we get enough talent on defense like the Bucks did. And like that is pop. I-, I think it almost hurt the league in the sense that Patrick Mahomes scored nine points in a game and looked like crap. And and the second half of the Cincinnati game, AFC title last year or two years ago now, I guess. I think those two are just like Moby Dick games where coaches are just like, oh my God, <laughs> like we can do this or whatever. And like, but like, that's just so hard to duplicate. That That's my, that's where I'm at is like, that's, I have the same thought where that game is so, you're not going to have that game just realistically and statistically speaking. Like, the majority of Kansas City's games of other high-flying NFL offenses, I don't just want to throw Kansas City in there. But, like, realistically, in today's NFL, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, it's more than likely going to have to go through Kansas City at some point. Um, what what, what are you doing on the defensive side of the ball? Or why are you – I guess, to me, I'm adding as much talent as I can on offense and just I'm throwing 11 bodies out there on defense for fun. And then hoping that, you know, just like something eventually happens to like break my way along the way. Yes, Beans. But you know what's crazy is like these teams are like trying to draft defense to help that's, revamp them. That's my point. But aren't aren't we doing the same thing? Well, that's because we don't need to address well, yeah, offense. We, yeah. We, so like we keep revamping we our defense. We keep revamping our defense too. We keep revamping our defense too. And like don't provide like don't add any offensive production to it we just keep doing it like like kind of my my point there beans we're we're able to do that because uh, apparently with our with patrick the combination of patrick mahomes and our staff like having talent on offense really didn't matter for us um or i guess using talent on offense we kind of just do whatever the fuck we want for fun um so I'm talking about other teams that don't yeah. have Patrick so, Holmes or our staff. It's kind of a it's kind of like, well, how can we catch up 
when this team is doing the same thing we are, but they're better than us because we're playing a different game. Yeah. And so it's like, it's a little difficult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) End of day though. Like if your ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl, you kind of have to be good at, I'm not saying good. You don't have to be great on both sides of the ball because most teams are never that win are never great on both sides of the ball. But you have to be like good enough. Yes. You have to be. You basically have to be elite on one side of the ball and good enough on the other one. The majority of the time. And and like that Tampa Bay game, like you called that a Moby Dick game, but like if you think about that Super Bowl, that was easily like a top five defense of all time. Top ten, maybe top ten defense of all time. Okay. I I would need to actually think about what defenses I would want to put there. That defense gets shortchanged because the team didn't start off super fast because of like Bruce Arians and Tom Brady not really meshing. Very yeah. Well start. But like that defense, when you like look at the talent that was there, was disgusting. Yes, but okay. So like we would probably say top ten somewhere in there. Look at the Chiefs offensive line that game being depleted. So like what we've done is like we keep drafting defense. We keep reloading our offensive line. We don't need offensive weapons. We're saving money. It's like, you know, all these teams keep trying to add and add and add. And it's like, well, we'll just keep, you know, picking here, picking there. We can be a little bit more choosy on what we want to improve. We haven't made a single fucking wide receiver move like this whole offseason. Like don't need to. We don't need to. Like it, so yeah, these deep, these teams are like, do you think there's like a board on everybody's office of like a chief's logo with like a circle through it? No, there's, there's two things that you can do to shut down Kansas city's offense. One of them is uh, like hires an investigative team to start looking up as much dirt as you can on Andy Reid to try and get him into legal trouble and pull him away from the game. Um, The other thing that you can do is get a team of investigators to dig up dirt on Patrick Mahomes to see if they can get him in legal trouble to pull him away from the game. And if you can't do those two things, you're pretty much fucked. No, Uh, I would say as far as the only thing you can really do, aside from the joking of hiring investigators, is like hiring that staff. Hire that staff. That, yeah, we have a hire. Do, and we've, we've, we've seen it happening. You know, the Giants got Kafka. Oh, and look where Kafka ended up. You know, they ended up, you know, in the playoffs with Daniel Jones at the helm of quarterback. And so, like, we're seeing that process. The uh, enemy, you know, he just left to go to Washington. Now, who knows where they'll be? But oh, if they become a playoff contending team, is anybody shocked? No, he he he's at he's the, one of the trees of uh, one of the limbs from the tree of Andy Reid. So it's it's hard to say. <laughs> Your dog is just letting you do that. <laughs> is pretty much just. I feel like you need a good enough defense to like slow the Chiefs' offense down, and then you need you basically need. It's like a boxer. You need to be good enough on defense to not get knocked out. And then you need that right hand to knock a guy out. So, I mean, yep. you're going to – the Eagles were basically kind of the mold for how I would want to build a team to beat the Chiefs in the sense that they had a really good defense. And for what it's worth, maybe the field impacted the game for them more than it did for us because of how they rush. 
Who knows? Who cares? That's old news. But Philly's offense, ball control, highly powerful. Defense, really good too, super solid. And, like, that's how I would have wanted to, like, build my team to beat the Chiefs. It just so happens that Patrick Mahomes went nuclear in the second half, so... No, I, I always wanted to have that conversation. I've been hearing that take, and I don't think – it's kind of like running backs being uh, worthless, where, like, I don't think it gets said enough, even though it's said enough, uh, just because of how true it is. But, uh, Very true. Sam, do you got one, or are we going straight to beans? Um, I have something I'll say, but after beans – it's not a hot take, though. We, we know what it is. Okay. Um, All right. My hot take. So there's this movie out there and it's with a dog and the dog is playing sports. Okay. And it's air bud. Okay. I've never seen air bud. I I haven't either, but from the premise of the movie, there's no rule saying that a four legged dog can't play basketball. There's no there's no rule saying that there's a four-legged dog can't play hockey. What bothers me is how do how does this dog score on these kids? Like why is it how is this dog scoring? How is how are we just wow. letting a dog? How is nobody on two legs and is a foot uh, three feet taller than this dog just letting this dog score? Yes, Gavin. I I mean, I don't necessarily think we need to dive completely into this, but um, isn't your original statement kind of just like hinting along the lines of you could just like put together an offensive line that is like no people at all. It's just cattle and just hope that they occupy enough space that they give you enough time to pass. And oh God, could you imagine if you could train just a bunch of cows to like stay, to just stand ass to mouth? Yeah. What if what if your like linebacker is just a mama gorilla and they just yeah that yeah I mean you see where we're so but regardless um so no, basically no. animals are not again so like why Untied like market. and so like I started reading articles I'm like so like why was Airbud better than these players and apparently um. Airbud shooting the ball was 80% when the ball was thrown directly at his face. Like heat seeking missile to his face, he was shooting 80%. That's pretty good numbers. Like I, I'm so confused where this is going. Like this dog might be better than some college, maybe even NBA basketball players. Like, why is this guy not why is this why is this dog not why has this dog not got a contract? Why is nobody calling the why is, no, that's old Yeller. <laughs> no, it's actually Airbud too. Um, Air, Air, he's living a double life. <laughs> but you want to know what his weakness is? According, according to his, according to this article, when the ball wasn't thrown to this dog's face, he was shooting zero percent. So you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So that makes sense. I'm just, I'm just really pissed off. Like, could you imagine that car ride home as a parent? Like, you really let this fucking dog score 32 points tonight. You really let this, you really let this dog score on you like that. At like, some point, at some point, I'm just telling mom, like, yes, we ran for zero yards today. You want to know why? Because there was a fucking gorilla <laughs> in the linebacker. So go fuck yourself, mom. Uh, that was a gorilla. This one's awful. 
<laughs> I I think it's work, good. Work beach. I, all I'm saying is like, I, if I was a parent and I'm driving home with my kid and a dog just scored 15 points, a point, a single point on my kid, I'm like, you're you're a you're a fucking disgrace. <laughs> yeah, Sydney, what? How? Like Sydney, like, can you score a basket? Tell me, look at me in the eyes and tell me if you can score a basket. No, but she can. Oh, okay. 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 All right. I, I actually do now have a hot take. Okay. What is it? Okay. Be main, this is mainly just because we have gotten just horrible territory of nonsense. Okay. Are you guys familiar with the Fast and Furious franchise? Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. You guys know exactly where this is going. If you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly where this is going. I'm here to tell you right now, the natural conclusion to the Fast and Furious franchise is a crossover where they find out that the cars have been transformers the entire time. Don't sigh, Beans. It's correct. Like, <laughs> it is yes. correct. You cannot tell me you wouldn't love that movie, Beans. It needs it, Sam, because it was beautiful. It needs to happen because, like, some of the things they do with those cars, you're like, that shouldn't have fucking happened. <laughs> like, they shouldn't have done no, that. I'm telling you, it explains everything away and you can't tell me you don't want to watch not to steal my own, I'm not even going to steal my own tweet I'll come up my own scenario you can't tell me that you don't want to watch Dom drive Optimus Prime like into battle and then like fucking fight Megatron and then, and then like Dom and fucking Optimus or like Dom like does something or whatever and like Optimus has to catch him and they look at each other like family. It, we do this for family. The moment Optimus primes his family to Dom, you're you're dying. It's fucking the death of irony. It's the death of satire. Can, can you guys hear it's me? The greatest yes. moment of all time. And it instantly makes two franchises I cannot stand hilarious and something I want to watch. Look Look at me in the eyes and tell me you wouldn't want to watch Dom drive a modified car with a giant fist on it. God damn it, Sam. This, uh, through Megatron to save Optimus Prime, then to have Dom and Optimus exchange family as they drive in separate directions with Linkin Park playing in the outro. You can't tell me that's not the greatest ending to a movie you would have ever seen. It would make the ending to the one where Paul Walker died, like, just makes it just almost laughable. Like, you have such a great ending when Paul, when the, they drive off and it's like, it's been a long day. And then you have, then you have Optimus Prime four, four movies later saying, family to Dom. I'm telling you, this is how it sets up, right? You guys seen the, like, first Transformers movie with Michael Bay, right? Yes. Yeah, you know how it ends with, uh. The Lincoln Park song. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling you right now, the Optimus Prime and like Dom are like talking, like you know, after the battle where like they have to go their separate ways, and Dom says, like, no matter what, we're family. And then he like gets <laughs> his car, he drives off, and then you see Optimus Prime look at him as Dom drives off into the sunset. You see him transform into like his truck or whatever the fuck he's gonna be. And then he's driving along, we'll just say I-70 for sake of argument. He's driving along the highway, and it's like a monologue talking about, like, 
all the adventures that he's ever had between, and it's like just flashbacks from all the other Transformers movies or whatever. And it's like all these battles that we fought with humanity, blah, 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 blah. But in the end, we found our true family. And it's like, Tom, and cut the credit, Lincoln Park plays. I, what I hate is like knowing that, like, in the theaters, watching that. And you, us making fun of it, how stupid it'd be, it still hit me in the feels. Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'd like, still cry. I'd still shed a tear. If you yeah. cry every time. Yeah, just knock off the prime saying family to each other as they drive in opposite directions. That just, like, instantly in the theaters. Like, I'm not laughing. I'm not, like, not, like, this is, like, a legit moment here with Linkin Park. It's just perfect. It's cinematic beauty. That's what it is. Uh, you know, we don't, look for, we don't look forward to a lot of things in movies, but, like, as a male figure, like, that's one of them. <laughs> Here are the two greatest ideas I've ever had in my life. One, this. <laughs> We're talking about it right now. It, it makes way too much sense. I don't know how they don't do it. Like, like, it, makes, it makes so much sense. Like, it is, it's right there. Like, put Michael Bay on the phone. Whoever directs the fucking uh, Fast and Furious franchise on the phone, fucking do it. And then the second best idea I've ever had is I basically came up with Uber Eats like when I was when I was ten. I was at a movie with my dad, and we were talking about like how mu- how fun it would be to have like a hamburger like on demand, and we came up with Hamdanger because it's Hamdanger <laughs> but hamburgers. So you order so you order on an app like or on a website like what hamburger you want, and then like you can go to the restaurant and just pick it up like at a time, or they can deliver it to you. Sam wants his money. Sam Sam wants his money. (laughs) I do want my money. I came up with Uber Eats like 12 years ago. More than that, like 15 years ago. Bullshit. But this is, you know what? This is a free idea. If Michael Bay or whoever does fucking, I, I demand zero royalties from the people who make Transformers right now, mainly Michael Bay. And whoever makes Fast and Furious, I don't know who that is because I don't. I've not seen any of those movies. But whoever makes those, this is a free idea. Just make it happen. I'm telling you, you're gonna make a billion dollars. I I can't imagine the cinematic bullshit and plot armor that would have to be occurring for the staff of Fast and the Furious to be surviving a Michael Bay movie. While it's still like the plot of a Fast and Furious movie, like the bullshit that they currently have to pull, but now you're introducing Transformers and you know all this other crap into it, and they have to you know survive because they're the plot. Uh, Dude, the plot's there too. Because once the Transformers reveal themselves, the Fast and Furious crew are gonna have a crisis on like, oh my god, were we always this good at driving, or was it just the Transformers? And you get you get like a fucking dude. You can have like a ten minute flashback scene. Ten minutes is just right there, written for you from your previous movies. And then they like drive real cars, like d- during the end, and they do cool shit. And it's like we were the good drivers all along. The Transformers didn't need to help us. We were badasses anyways. Well, and think of how many explosions were in Transformers and in uh and in Fast and Furious. But, now but, you have d- double the explosions, like. like- Dude, Michael is Bay franchise. is like doing cocaine off his ass to get this to happen. This a, you can go to the moon with it. You can go to space. It's Transformers. This, Who cares? Like this it's franchise the, had 
uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson walking down the middle of the street, ripping a cast off to do it with a minigun, shooting at a helicopter to take it down. What would be really funny? This would be too much. Transformers X Fast and Furious is a great idea, but if like the Rock turned out to be like a transformer or not a transformer, <laughs> a, a Terminator. Oh, Can you no. imagine the Rock turned out to be a Terminator? That would be too much. That that's too much. And then Chris Pratt shows up in Jurassic World. <laughs> nah, Again, this is very obvious. Um, and special shout out to Nick Fox. Nick Fox and I, I like came up with the idea. We like workshopped a movie when I was drunk and he was he was drunk too, like a couple years ago. Like we we were both drunk and we kind of workshopped it. We don't remember it because you know we were drunk. It's it's a great idea. Uh, yeah, I I got nothing to add to that. It's uh, yeah, it, it's not even a hot take. This no, is it, not. It's correct. It's a great take. Okay, last segment of the day. This comes this once a year. Oh shit! It's the Masters this week. So we're not going to talk any Masters right now because you know it hasn't started yet. Starts tomorrow, Thursday. I'm excited. I really like golf. In terms of like big four majors, um, I know that you guys aren't as keen. So we're going to play a little game. I think it would be fun if we all chose one golfer to hitch our wagon to. And whoever picks the golfer who has the best weekend, um, I don't know. What do we want to bet on this, guys? Live on air. Uh, hosting for a week. That makes sense. You want, you want my job? <laughs> So we have to host for a week. It's kind of a cool title, you know. I'm your host. I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. Host for the week. Okay. Uh, not next week though, because we're doing my game show next week, aren't we? And yeah. the winner of that's definitely gonna be the. <laughs> oh. well, the winner of that gets to host the next game show. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Okay. So how about this? Actually, okay, I got it, I got it. So we're doing a Chiefs mock draft in two weeks, right? Okay. The winner of this gets a pound-the-table my guy pick. So they get to overrule everybody. No matter the round? No matter the round? No matter the round? Anytime. Anytime. You want to take fucking Deuce Vaughn first round? Because you're pounding the table for Deuce Vaughn. God, you guys are going to really fuck this up. Well, no, I'm just saying. You, no, I know. And you get to be the host that week. So you can be the host that week, and you get your my guy. Okay, so all right. You're in the I like that. Round and all three of us want a different person, but you won. You get to say it's my turn. Okay, <laughs> all right. I like that. I like it. You get to host that. So host in two weeks, and to skip Bayless. Okay, all right. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, Beans and Gavin, you guys know the least amount of golf, so who wants to pick first? I will. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Let's, all Fuck right, you. We'll in alphabetical order. <laughs> all right. Beans, who is your selection? All right, at plus 25,000 odds. Oh, my God. Jesus, hell. Beans I have, is not what a host. I have Sepp Starka, just off of name purposes. Gavin, if you pick anyone minorly competent, you might actually win this because. 
Well, so I had to, uh, I did have to Google, um, just to make sure that like the name was still relevant. I don't know if he's still golfing. Is Phil Mickelson still playing? I don't know if Phil Mickelson is actually playing in this Masters. Ah! I, I thought he was in the uh, the other the live tournament. Well, I, the the live people can still play. Oh, they can. Okay, I thought they couldn't cross. Well, it's got to be Scotty Scheffler because he won last year. Apparently, I don't know if he's in this one. He should be. Well, I give two names. I'm... That doubles my chances. <laughs> Um, I'm checking for you, Gavin. This this is the kind of lowbrow shit, you know, that we do live on air. Checking PJ Tour. Scotty's got the best odds. Let's go. Gavin choosing the absolute uh, best. Yep, Scotty Scheffler is in this. Okay, at plus 700 odds. One sec. I just want to make sure that my guy is in. Unless his line has changed. Okay. Part of me really wants to go with Tiger Woods because, uh, you know, I'm just reasons. Um, but I'm going to go with the Kansas kid because I am just going to go with the Kansas kid and I'm going to take Gary Woodland. That's a well, lot of fine. Huh? <laughs> There's a Gary lot Woodland of won the U.S. Open. Before What's he, that? He's won, a, he's won a major before. Uh, yeah. All right. So it's whoever finishes the highest out of all of us. God, I so hope you're gonna have to write down your guy because I'm never gonna remember who your guy is. All right, Sep Stepka. <laughs> I, I I feel like it's between you and me, Gavin. I honestly hope to God I win. This will be so yeah. fucking. <laughs> if if you win, win you have earned it. <laughs> yeah, this is the type of shit I do win though. <laughs> I just want you guys to remember last year when we had our fake sponsorship for the open. Like I did all that and I won us our deal. So did so we I'm win sure. anything? No. Okay. <laughs> I believe we were going to give something away if someone beat us and then no one nobody beat nobody beat us. <laughs> we're um, somebody quick, good. Quick announcement right before we go into our final proceedings. Um, we do have winners for our tournament challenge, men's and women's. I've tried to contact who I think won our men's, but have been unsuccessful. So if you are Trey One with ESPN, uh, with your username is ESPN 9276055. Doesn't really help anyone, now does it? Um, you won our bracket challenge with 690 points. Nice. And you have earned the right for 15 minutes of fame. If not, you forfeit it, and we're not giving it to second because we're doing it like the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> so I think that that might be Trey Cohorst. I DM'd him yesterday, and I haven't gotten a response from him yet. So, news you lose. Uh, we'll, put a, we'll put a response date on for the NFL draft. You can come on after the draft if that's more convenient for you. But you got to respond before the info draft happens. As for the women's side, I do know who won the women's bracket because we had a lot less random people join. And that is Aaron Pachta because he picked LSU to win the title. And I have no fucking idea how he managed to do that. And congratulations, Aaron. We kicked you out of that one recording of the show that no one ever got to see because it was utter shite. And now you get to come on. It's come full circle, buddy. Oh, boy. So, gentlemen. Gentlemen, does anyone 
have a last word. Yeah, next time you see a dog walking into a gym, it's about to drop 30 on your kids. Gavin? I don't don't think Gavin's got anything. I think he dropped out. (laughs) I think he tapped out. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this content, like we said at the beginning, please like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, send it to a friend. And then maybe that friend will send it to a friend. Maybe they'll send it to two more friends. Multiplication, baby. It's what we like. Special shout out again to Beans and Gavin for being lovely, lovely guest hosts here. And special shout out to that burp that I just had. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like more awful exits like this, please feel free to view any of our other previous shows. They're pinned and tweeted out at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S on Twitter, where there's a merch link. Feel free to buy a shirt, show your pride. And with that, we've been the Flyover State Sports Show. Thank you for allowing us to ramble with you for the last couple of hours. Stay frosty, and we'll see you next time.